0: Welcome to the Nutritional Outlook podcast. I'm Jennifer Gribo, Editor-in-Chief of Nutritional Outlook Magazine.
1: And I'm Sebastian Kravius, Editor. Uh, we are podcast hosts. Uh, Nutritional Outlook Magazine is a multimedia publishing brand and leading informational resource for the manufacturers of dietary supplements, healthy foods, and natural products.
0: On this week's episode, we have the pleasure of speaking with Lisa C. Buono, Principal of Client Insights at IRI Worldwide. We asked Lisa the question all dietary supplement companies are asking themselves as they head into the next year. Will consumers back away from buying dietary supplements once the COVID pandemic improves? Let's take a quick break from our sponsor and we'll be right back with
2: Lisa. What if you had limitless access to customer insights, accelerated timelines, and set fees? At True Serum Network, we're fueled by connections in virtually every area of healthcare as part of MJH Life Sciences. The result? Audience-fed creative and more powerful content in less time. True Serum Network, releasing what's real. Find out more at NTWK.com.
0: Hello, podcasters. Today we'll be interviewing Lisa C. Buono. Principal of Client Insights at IRI Worldwide. Lisa is here to answer this all-important question. Will consumers back away from buying dietary supplements once the COVID pandemic improves? Thank you for joining us today, Lisa.
2: It's my pleasure, Jennifer. It's always nice to talk with you.
0: It's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Lisa. We've we've long turned to IRI worldwide and you especially. I'm as a valued member of our editorial advisory board to track movement in the supplements and natural products market. So, so happy to have you here in in person.
2: (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you. And always happy to help you guys.
0: Perfect. Um, Well, to start with, why don't you tell our listeners a little more about yourself and IRI? How have you and IRI helped companies navigate the dramatic supplement sales changes that we've seen of late?
2: Sure, sure. Uh, Happy to do that. IRI is a technology and data and insights company. I think many of you may be familiar with us. We track point of sales data from brick and mortar retailers and increasingly now on the e-commerce side as well. In addition, we catalog a tremendous amount of information on, on consumers through panel data. So we bring both together and analyze them for our clients in the CPG space. I joined IRI maybe about eight years ago now. And prior to that, I had worked in the manufacturing side of CPG, specifically in health. And happy to relate to all of you that I, I worked on Centrum and Caltrate for many years with y of Consumer Healthcare. So I, I know from where you sit, okay? I, I know, I know what you're feeling, what you're experiencing. And uh, how have I worked together with IRI to help clients? Lately, in the vitamin and mineral and supplement space, it's been all about trying to understand the unique and evolving need states that consumers are evidencing in the marketplace. And we first see that. Tracking sales, you know, when you see a, a supplement start to jump in sales, you say, hmm, okay, something's cooking there. And then we go to our panel data and try to understand the why, right? The why, why those consumers are buying those particular items. And we have been combining the intel essentially from both the POS data and panel data and other sources to help all of our clients in this vitamin and mineral and supplement space and herbal space as well understand what the consumers needs are how they eat, where, where the white space is and you know therefore where the opportunities are and believe me there are quite a few quite a few it's it, it is it is an extremely exciting category and segment of consumer healthcare to be in as you probably know
0: we certainly do
1: yeah and uh, Lisa, can you talk about how the pandemic has changed consumer attitudes towards supplements, uh, as well as how it altered consumers' purchasing behaviors?
2: Sure, sure. That you know, I have to say in the, all right, I mean, I'm almost embarrassed to tell you this, but in the 40 years that I have been working in the industry, and I, I consider myself very fortunate coming out of grad school and working immediately in the consumer healthcare space in one way or another for this 40-year period of time. I have never seen, and others like me, we have never seen, we have never witnessed such a a huge impact on, on consumer behavior as this pandemic. So that is Sebastian. That is like the million dollar question. And it's been fascinating to watch. What we have seen is an amped up accelerated acceptance In and movement towards behaviors for self-care with consumers. That is what this pandemic has done. It is not to say that these self-care behaviors weren't there, they were already. We had been tracking them a good six or seven years prior to March of 2020. There was this, this low level, but still there, Interest on the part of consumers to do more for themselves and take charge of their own healthcare for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is nobody really wants to go to the doctor. We can't afford going to the doctor. Maybe we don't have access to good healthcare, lots of reasons. But what this pandemic did was, was, was say to folks, I better get up and smell the coffee here. I've got to do something. And even for folks who are on the fringe of of doing more to take, take better care of themselves, they dove in, you know, head, head first. So we saw an intensity behind self-care behaviors, uh, for sure, coming out of the pandemic, which is also why re- we saw sales spike like crazy in March of 2020, when, when, when the shutdown first occurred. Uh, again, the likes of which we've never seen, and, and many products in the consumer healthcare care space uh, benefited from, from that, actually.
1: Uh, so, Lisa, can you kind of elaborate more about how the pandemic altered consumer behaviors, purchasing behaviors, I should say?
2: Yeah, sure, sure. Happy to do that. We, we certainly saw a tremendous increase in, in the purchase of protective products. Not necessarily in the vitamin, mineral supplement space, but masks, uh, self-care products like thermometers, of course, hand sanitizers. But we, uh, of course, did see a major increase in sales in VMS. In fact, something along the lines of like 26% for the total total universe of of vitamins, minerals, and supplements. And and some supplements grew by hundreds of percentages versus a year ago. It was staggering. Vitamin C, vitamin D. Folks were flocking to the stores or online to to stock up on supplements that I believe they felt would help support their immune systems as they they were trying to figure out well what do I do, especially early on. How how do I how do I personally try try to fend off this virus? Um, so, so that those are the main the main things, really super duper increased purchasing on the part of folks who are already in the vitamin and mineral supplement space as consumers, as well as new consumers came in, brand new behaviors.
0: You know, Lisa, it's so crazy how long we've been in this pandemic. You know, looking in that rear view mirror, I can't believe how long ago March 2020 seems. Like it's just so anyway, um. Let's get into the nitty gritty and probably why listeners are here. So I know that you know you don't have a definitive um, definitive crystal ball in front of you, but heading into twenty twenty two, which supplement which supplement categories are forecasted? Do you uh, you think to see strong sales, and which are projected to see weakening sales? You know this can apply to finished products, single ingredients, any kind of health condition specific products. Just what's your general sense of what is likely to continue doing well in 2022? And what might not be, you know, so fortunate?
2: Yeah, yeah, Uh, good question. I think I'd like to preface that by saying, my answer by saying, it really depends on the variants of this virus and the, 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 the sickness levels, which then connects to mobility, right? People shying away from going out to social events that I think everyone is really anxious to go, to go see. Uh, it also, the, how the virus goes tends to impact people's moods and, and mental, mental status. So I think we're apt to not be out of this pandemic for a while. I think we're going to have fits and starts. And to me, that means we're going to see continued support for consumers wanting to buy things that help them support their immune system. So we're likely to see good sales, continuing sales, growth on top of growth, which is just staggering to me for vitamin C, vitamin D, likely elderberry on the sleep side of Melatonin and and some other other kinds of uh, probably there. I think you're you're, you're going to see not only melatonin but but products that have mixtures of ingredients that that are are known or recognized to to help with sleep. Uh, on the flip side, I'm not so sure that traditional multivitamins. And I hate to say this, having worked on Centrum, because this is like you know putting saying that your child is no longer going to do well in the marketplace. But I I think that might be the case. Traditional multivitamins, I think, did very well in the the first part of the pandemic, because that might have been all that was left on the shelf when folks rushed to the stores to get something to help them support their immune system. But now the supply seemed to be a bit better. And and I I have seen a slowing in, in traditional multivitamins. I do think from a a form standpoint, gummies are going to continue to be very, very popular, especially with the the newer users who came into this marketplace because of the pandemic. Uh, It is a a favorite form, uh, particularly by younger folks and families.
0: That's so interesting what you said about multivitamins. I wonder, and I'm just surmising, is part of the reason that... um, you know, could it be that new users were coming into the category, starting with multivitamins early in the pandemic and maybe have educated themselves and are maybe going for more specific types of solutions, or maybe that doesn't have anything to do with.
2: That. You know what? It's always possible. And certainly, you know, Jen, traditionally, that is how folks got into the the, the supplement space. They would they would start out with a multi because their objective was, let me plug, the nutritional dis- deficiency holes, right in, in in my diet, and there are just too many deficiencies <laughs> for me to buy a bunch of single vitamins. So let me get the multivitamin. Someone has done the thinking for me. Let me let me just take advantage of that and use a multi. Uh, I I do think though that uh, what we saw with the pandemic was was a matter of. I need to take something, I want to take something. And depending on how soon after, after things really shut down, back in March of 2020, the middle of March, March, March 13th, 2020 to be exact, right? Uh, was the peak of sales. And that's when many, many companies and others kind of shut down. Um, I, I think the shelves, the supply chains just weren't ready. They just weren't ready for the demand for for any of those kinds of products. And when you couldn't find what you may have really wanted, which could have been, and and I'll mention a couple of brands here that are connected with immunity, certainly emergency and airborne and things like that, you kind of make a second choice because I got to get something. And I do think multivitamins uh, fit that sort of role. It may not have been the only reason why folks bought them but I do think that was a major driver. And now we already see, here we are, you know, some year and a half, right. Post that, that, that opening of the pandemic. Uh, And we're starting to see multivitamins, traditional ones, tableted, complete, you know, 32, 29 ingredient kind of multivitamins slow down. Uh, And I, I, I just, I think I can, I, I think I, I know why, because the, the, the supplies of the things that folks really want and know and recognize, vitamin C, vitamin D, elderberry, maybe melatonin, because they, they're losing sleep, um, they're there and they can get them.
0: That's so fascinating. Yeah. Thanks, Lisa.
1: Sure. So Lisa, um, we know that during the pandemic, a lot of uh, people became first time users of dietary supplements. Should we still expect to see high rates of new users entering the market next year? And you touched on it a little bit in your previous answer, but which types of products uh, will they be most drawn, drawn to? Uh, will the gummies continue to be a big factor, et cetera?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I don't think we can expect many more new users be, be, because, you know, vitamins and mineral supplements in total, maybe not individual ingredients, but in total. Uh, have a pretty high, what we call household penetration. Maybe not like white bread or milk, but uh, pretty high. And with, the, with the, the number of folks who came in, uh, it, it, it grew substantially. So I don't know how much higher we can go, uh, but I can tell you this, I think the folks who didn't join the the, the crowd, right, in in jumping into VMS to help support their immune systems in the pandemic. Uh, While few though they may be, um, they probably will spark to things that are easier and simpler for them to choose and to use, right? So I think things that are palatable, things that are a good value, things that are convenient, that usually needs more than one ingredient necessarily, you know, Uh, or a very well-known ingredient like vitamin C or vitamin D, but in a more palatable, uh, maybe affordable, convenient way.
0: Fascinating. Um, okay, so Lisa, to sum it up, you know, I know you talked a little bit about who might not come back or you know who might not continue to enter the market. But to sum it up, do you think in general that consumers will back away from buying dietary supplements once the COVID situation improves?
2: I do. I uh, and and here's why, I I think, and certainly this is what we observed for all the years that I worked on 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 centrum, and caltrate, and, and and even you know the the, the drivers for why you take a multivitamin versus a calcium supplement are very different. Uh, there there is a similarity in in that human nature. Kind of drives us to forget, once in a while, right. Um, when you're feeling better, when the, the, the influence or the impetus for why you want to take those multi multivitamins or, or any kind of supplement seems to have calmed down. Said another way, when we, when we defeat the pandemic and learn how to live with it, and it's not this, this mean specter uh, out there, we revert to other habits. And generally, generally that means I'm going to, not take my multivitamin seven days a week. I'm going to take it more like three or four days a week, or I may not take it all, or I may take it seasonally. Right? Uh, happens a lot with with folks. They they may they may take what they've been taking regularly now because of the pandemic, but may say, you know what, I'm going to take it during flu season and cough, cold, and flu season. So, I I think I think there will be a softening and backing off. I I, I don't. I don't know exactly to what degree, but I can't imagine that it could continue to grow at, at, at this rate. Um, just my my personal opinion from you know talking with consumers for many years, observing their behavior, and even though they're interested more in self care, uh, I, I think I think these usage could fall off. It could.
1: Okay, um, and on that note, Lisa, do you have any tips or insights for our listeners on what supplement companies need to do to ensure consumers don't lose interest in supplements once the pandemic yeah. rains? Any, any ideas of how they could overcome these challenges?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, and 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 what I'm about to to share with you, yeah, we've been sharing with many of our our clients in other categories in CPG because. VMS are not the is not the only category that that benefited from the pandemic. There were many other categories that did too. And I the the key here is to engage, keep engaging with those consumers. Uh, and how would you do that? We're very very lucky that in twenty twenty one and and beyond we have the advantage of technology and data. We can, we can get to your target audience with whatever messaging you're, you're, you're looking to give them, whether it's a new claim, right? To keep your brand fresh in their mind. Here's another reason to continue taking this product and we want you to know about it. Uh, an inducement, some sort of a promotion, a coupon offer, etc. cetera. We know that you, you, you bought our product. Thank you for that. Here's, here's a $2 coupon, a $5 coupon, maybe a $20 coupon if it's president. Uh, you know, you need, you need to keep them on a leash and, 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 and make them, make them your friends talk with them, talk with them, continue to nurture that relationship. And you can do so in, in highly personalized ways these days, it's kind of scary uh, I wish I had had that as, as something in my marketing toolbox, I don't know, 15, 10 years ago. But we have it now, and, and manufacturers should use it, absolutely.
0: Yep, that's great advice. And, you know, thinking about the past, Lisa, we have one more important question for you. Um, it's mm-hmm. kind of a cheeky question, but, you know, as much as everyone wishes that this pandemic had never happened if you were a supplement brand with a time machine and you could travel back to the time before the pandemic started, what is the single most important product you would have made sure that your company had the foresight to sell?
2: Ah, oh, that's a good one. That's a that's a good one. I don't know. I think it. I think it might be a tie. It might be a tie between something for sleep, and I, I'm not going to be ingredient specific here because again, I. I just don't think, except for the really well-known ingredients or ingredients that over time become well-known, right? Like melatonin. Um, I don't think I would have hung my hat on a particular ingredient, but I would have hung my hat on a solution on a, on a product that is a solution for a need state. And the two need states that I, that I'm thinking about, uh, are immunity right? Supporting one's immunity. If I had had the crystal ball or my, my fame, I use my eight ball. I don't know. Remember the, the eight <laughs> ball that you used to ask questions on? Okay. Yep. Um, I, I think it would have been a tie between immunity and, and gut health. Oh, gut health. Yeah. Which in a way they're connected. Right. In the way they're connected. And, um, you might ask, hmm, why not sleep? Uh, part of me says sleep was pretty well covered before <laughs> before the pandemic hit, and and uh, you know it, it, the need for those products just intensified. But I'm I'm not so sure that we were doing as good a job with immune immunity solutions and and uh, and gut health solutions.
0: Yeah, it's definitely been lessons learned, and you know, just big yeah. thanks to you and IRI for just getting so many of us through this. You know, with your valuable insights and helping just to steer, you know, our expectations and what to do and not to do. So thank you so much.
2: Yeah, we're, we're really, really hap- happy to do it. And, and, and very fortunate, very fortunate uh, to, to have access to these kinds of data. And there's nothing more interesting than watching the consumer. Nothing.
1: Thank you so much, Lisa, for uh, being with us today. Uh, we definitely always hear, appreciate hearing your insights. So hopefully we'll get, uh, we'll get to see you again soon.
2: Yeah, looking forward to it. Thank you both.
1: Thank you everyone so much for listening. We hope you enjoy this week's episode of the Nutritional Outlook podcast. Um, we're always pleased to take you behind the headlines and provide expert insights from industry leaders. Remember, you could always find us at on the web at nutritionaloutlook.com, on LinkedIn and Facebook, and on Twitter at Nutritional O. Um, the views expressed in this podcast do not reflect the views of Nutritional Outlook, its parent company, or our advertisers. For editorial questions, please email editor in chief Jennifer Grebo, at JGrebo at MGHlifesciences.com. And for sponsorship opportunities, please email group publisher Todd Baker at tbaker at mjhlifesciences.com. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time.